This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 5th. This episode is brought to you by the American Driving Society. Good morning, horse world. Welcome back, everybody, to the monthly driving episode with Dr. Wendy Ying. And we are here the first Thursday of every month. And you can go back and take a listen to all the past driving episodes at drivingradioshow.com. That has them. So, Wendy, I don't know if we survived or not because we're recording this about a week ahead uh, of uh, the show before the hurricane hits. We did that so we'd make sure we got it done in case we did lose power. So I don't know. We'll know next week what the story is. But uh, we have a good show planned for you today. We have, we're taking a look at mini and pony carriages with Kathleen from the Carriage Association of America. And then in the traditional Chinese medicine segment, we're revisiting CBD oil. There's so many questions about CBD oil and horses now being posted everywhere. We thought we'd take a look at that again. And then the Tremont training tip, what's she talking about this time? She's talking about being organized and making lists and journals to make your life easier. <laughs> do you really do that? No, but I she's super organized. <laughs> Edie's super organized. That's why she's so successful. But I married a list maker, see? Um, exactly. That's why I married a list maker, and my partner in, in the Florida Podcast Network is a list maker. Jemmy's a list maker, like incessant list maker. Kyle so. doesn't make lists. Well, actually, yeah, he does. He makes post-it notes, and he's totally organized, and that's why everything's going so great for me right now. See, you and I need to marry those people, right? That's yeah. who we need to marry, because that's if we didn't marry those people, our life would be a shambles. Yep. More than it already is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time for Carriages 101, that time where Kathleen from the Carriage Association of America joins us to talk about carriages and driving and wheels and, and harness and all of that stuff that's involved in this cool sport we do. And today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, ponies and minis. Yes, they're everyone's favorite. They're so smoochable, you know, those little noses. I just came, went out and gave my little hackney pony an apple just two <laughs> minutes ago. We have a new neighbor up here uh, right beside us, and we met her, and she drives the cutest little mini called Ricky Bobby. Oh, yeah, and Ricky, Ricky Bobby. Bobby is a trip. So we went out driving the other day, and Ricky Bobby went along. So it was me, Jennifer riding her big, big thoroughbred, and then me with my medium-sized hackney pony, and then Ricky Bobby, who's just about, just about the top of mini size. That little pony kept up. It lived up to its name, Ricky Bobby. That Ricky Bobby was not going to be left behind. So <laughs> it was so cute to watch. 
It was so cute. And that's the thing about ponies and minis. When you talk about them, even as you're listening to the story, you get the biggest smile on your yeah. face because you just know. You can picture it in your head and it's just cute. We must have looked like we must have looked like quite a combination with the big thoroughbred with my hackney and then the mini trailing behind. <laughs> uh people seeing us must have thought, well, there's a there's a there's a combination. So, well, fun. and I have to tell you, if you're gonna go into the show ring is not a bad combination to have because my mom has her minis my dad used to show his pony uh, his fjord and then i had my standardbreds and so we didn't compete against each other but we could be at the same show mm-hmm. and so it made family harmony much better <laughs> nobody was nobody was whining <laughs> right no, nobody complained about who beat who that week yes <laughs> well what are we talking about So we're talking about minis and ponies today. And one of the things that happens is people think that minis just kind of puffed up from the air uh, of some cute factory and and they just suddenly appeared. And that's not the case. We know that they go all the way back uh, to 1650s, 1700s. We know that they were in Louis XIV, who's the Sun King. He had a menagerie and they were definitely in there. Uh, and there's definitely other reports of miniature horses being out and about. Napoleon III's um, wife had a, a carriage pulled by a mini. So they've they've been around for quite a while. However, we didn't call them miniatures. We called them ponies. And even when you get into talking about uh, catalogs, uh, carriage catalogs, they were always talking about ponies. We have several examples of that, but uh, they go down to 33 inches in the catalogs. You just have to be paying attention to what you're looking at to be able to see it. Uh, So we definitely have a long history of miniature horses existing. We just called them by a different name back back in the day. And uh, so. So in the catalogs, they used to have, um, they would tell you the size of the carriage for for what, for what horse? Correct. So they would have something that would be appropriate for a 33 to 39 inch pony, mm-hmm. a 40 to 45 inch, and then a 46 to 52 inch. And then sometimes oh. they would also sell a cob, but that would yeah. all be in the same catalog. You know, I imagine oh, it was great. like the Amish when I grew up in Lancaster County. You know, the, the adults all had horses and the kids all had pony carts and ponies. And that they learned to drive on ponies. And I'm sure back in the day before cars, that's what happened too, right? It, it was. That was your and training wheels. <laughs> they were. And actually, <laughs> I, I have to laugh because back in the 1914, 1916, it really came up to start... Uh, as a premium, if you bought something or to run a contest, you could win a pony in a carriage. Sometimes <laughs> it was a pony in a cart, or excuse me, a saddle. But a lot of times it was a pony in a carriage. And awesome. uh, there was things that, you know, um, I think you probably have had orange crush soda at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they ran a, uh, a thing. This was in 1922, so a little bit later. But you saved the coupons that came with the bottles, I believe, and you could submit them, and first prize was a pony and cart. Oh, my God. What a great prize. Yes. And this happened quite a bit. Uh, it It was very normal, and particularly in places that 
maybe, you know, because of weather or for whatever reason, there wasn't a lot of excitement. This was an easy way for newspapers to bring excitement to their newspaper and to draw traffic downtown. So what they would do is they put in an ad in the newspaper. And an example of this would be in North Platte, Nebraska. And in February 26, 1915, there was an ad that saying that word had been received that the pony and outfit, meaning the carriage, to be given away March 18th would be arriving today or tomorrow. And that's the only photograph in the paper is of a little pony that, that was supposed to be riding. Oh, my God. And in, February in Nebraska. I'm guessing that there's not a lot of excitement other than maybe Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, 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 and shoveling snow. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So this gave you a reason to go into town and see the pony, and they would put him pretty much in a storefront window so you could see him. And before <laughs> that, the, the carriage would be in there or the saddle so that there was something to heighten your your um, senses and get it get you excited about it and the kids just like that puppy in the window it would be that pony oh in the God, can you imagine every so kid great. in town wanted to win I that know. pony <laughs> and uh, so they were they were they did a lot back then to promote that type of thing and then correspondingly at that point in time the american shetland pony club uh did a promotion as well to promote the breed and so for a while there everybody just needed a pony and a cart to drive in. Um, we had talked before about the Irish jaunting vehicles, um, which Wendy had owned one. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes talk about governess carts. And I was trying oh, to figure out. I had one out, of those too. Of yeah. course, I had one of those too. <laughs> and, and they're for the really young ones that are, are driving with their governess. And I was trying to figure out how to describe them. I don't think Wendy like, ever had a governess, to be honest. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, but I had a car. I had one of those. Wendy was ponies, never chaperoned. That's why but I didn't want to so put in. Trouble. <laughs> I put, I put the Jack Russell's in them, but, but they are really uncomfortable to drive because you have to sit sideways. Right. And so basically as far as a description, I'm like, if you took a small hot tub and put it on wheels, and put a door in the back. That's pretty much what it is. That's funny. That's exactly that is a good description. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great for a um, for costume class. Yeah, yeah, yeah fill it with water fun. and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and so that was what a lot of people were used to was this idea that you would keep the kids kind of contained, and uh, it was something that an adult drove. But during this time, we started really getting into vehicles. Uh, that the kids could drive and part of that is because we also had young royal children because i'm pretty sure that the first royal child that we had had a royal pony i i just (laughs) um i don't have documentation to prove it but i'm pretty sure that that happened um and as they were driving so too did the rest of society fall fall in that path and so that's where they get these vehicles a lot of times, which probably the governess cart, was it wicker? Mine had uh, wicker on the, yeah, the top half was wicker. So a lot of the times they're either wicker or natural wood. Mm-hmm. And that's so that the kids don't scuff up the paint. Uh, just like oh, yeah, you don't turn a kid loose next to your brand new car <laughs> because they might scuff up the paint or something. Um, the same problem. You would, didn't want to have to repaint your carriage all the time. And so they went either with wicker, which was 
at that point in time, pretty easy to replace and fix or, or something natural. Yeah. But uh, they, when they, when they decided to paint them, they did go pretty bright. There was a lot of red <laughs> involved, a lot of reds, blues, and greens. And so did, have you um, ever owned a pony vehicle? Um, yeah, I know. That, my, the little governess card I had was a pony vehicle. And actually, when when I first um, started driving, I had this these two little tiny ponies. Um, I had one was a Hackney, and the other one was a Section C, but he was little. They were like twelve hands, so that's why I had some little pony vehicles for them. They were super cute. And Charlie Poppy, who's been on here before, he has a lot of pony vehicles. Oh, His yeah. are usually yellow and black or, or cream and black off cream. He has the best pony. If you're a pony lover, Charlie Poppy, you have to go visit him. He has the best pony accessories. His oh, carriage yes. house. Incredible. The so, mink. What about the mink collar? You know the mink collar he has for the hackney ponies? Yes. The, so it's literally a, a mink like a mink stole, but for a horse. Now, what I have in my office right now that's temporarily on loan to me from Charlie is a sledge collar. Have you ever seen a sledge collar? No. Now what's that? So sledge is um, a type of plant fiber. So it's essentially, um, do, you, do you know about straw collars? We used to use straw collars sometimes on a, a coach or something. Oh, yeah, your spare tire. Got a yes, they're like a spare tire, or if a horse got a sore shoulder, you could you could punch the straw where the collar would lay, create a little bubble in the in the straw so it wouldn't touch the sore spot, and then continue home. The sledge collar is a slightly um, less decorative <laughs> version of that, and it flexes so it could fit any size pony. In this case, it could fit right over their head. And they could go home with that as a collar. They sometimes use them also either sledge or corn uh, husk collars in the south where the horses got really sweaty because of the temperature, the humidity. And it would not uh, possibly rub them the way a leather harness would oh. uh, and a collar would. But the sledge uh Collar. We have a video of it on our Facebook page, uh, which is Carriage Association of America. And it's, it's just cool. I'm sorry. There's just no other way to describe that. It's just really cool. Uh, but it, it moves and you can, it, it really took some talent to figure out how to braid something like that and make it work. And then they all, that's plant fibers. Not I'm going to try to make one with cattails, but it's that type of a fiber. Um, you want to, you want a longer plant. Uh, and Are you going to make one together. yourself? I'm going to try. Um, I currently have my trailer is full of cattails drying, and uh, I, that's on my plan to do. So I never um, heard of a corn husk collar either. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. So you, yeah, they were they you, were pretty popular down in the south, and they still on some of the you know the farms that are doing 18th century farming, they still have them. I, I never maybe I maybe you can give me some advice on how to make uh, one of these cattail collars for these minis that we're going to race down our street. Well, that's what I'm making mine for is our, our <laughs> minis because I'm like I don't know that I can make a, a full size one. But uh, I I worked this summer to learn how to make wisps, which is what we they used to use for grooming 
Um, mm-hmm. And they used those from like the Greeks all the way up to uh, the mid 1800s. And uh, so you have to figure out how to braid them and how to let them dry and different things. For me, it's been a learning process. I'm sure that there's somebody that just has that natural talent and just can put them together. But mm-hmm. I had to learn how to braid them and everything like that. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> this I can't is my wait goal. To see this. I can't wait yeah. to see it. Yeah. It'd be great. So over Christmas, we'll probably do that. I get a week off and, and we'll do that project. But um, going back to our <laughs> our carriages, um, you could you could get things like that. This would be an accessory that you might need for your carriage um, is these different type of collars, depending on where you were. Um, but Charlie has a tremendous collection of pony items. If you're ever up near his home in Cincinnati, it's, it's worth a stop and um call first though (laughs) um (laughs) and most of the carriage companies that we're going to talk about today are from the cincinnati area at one point in time cincinnati was a tremendous maker of carriages and so one of them uh, was the eagle carriage company they made some very very nice carriages they were both wicker and natural um but you could also get them painted and they had a deal with if you bought the complete outfit for a pony vehicle or sleigh, which meant the sleigh and the harness, then you could get a free pony driving whip as well. But um, pony driving whips back then went for $5.25. Oh, my God. Of course, the harness sold for $15.60. $15? $15.60. Plumes were $5. You know, the the feathers that go off the top of their head to make them look fancy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, those I, I can't believe that they were five dollars. But uh, yes. So there was the the Cincinnati Carriage Makers Club honored the Eagle Carriage Company, who was owned by a gentleman called Charles A. Fisher, and he had this ad campaign. Um, and this is one of those times where you really wish you could see it. They had a stork flying with the baby. And right behind it was an eagle flying with the carriage. Because whenever you had a child, you should have a carriage. <laughs> and so That's so actually, great. That would make me have a baby if I could get a carriage with it. I know. And they actually made a poem. I think they made a poem for everything back then. But they made a poem, and I'm going to read it to you. This was read at the uh, Cincinnati Carriage Makers Club, I believe, in 1914. And it goes... Charles A. Fisher oft raises a holler to get the eagle on the dollar to fly down to his eagle's nest and stop there for a little rest. The best thing Charlie ever did was to specialize to please the kid. For with the youngsters, it's a fact. The pony and car will always attract. I know whenever I go to the zoo, I have to spend a quarter or two to let my little one ride in a Fisher cart to satisfy their childish heart. And I feel that as long as the stork will fly... Fisher is going to get nicely by. <laughs> so, okay, what I got out of that is they gave carriage rides at the zoo. They did. <laughs> and they should. You could go People are the there to see animals. Yes. Yes. There, so there's this whole other poem thing and writing about the fact that um, you could go to the park then and get a carriage ride and little brother or sister could also ride on the pony. You were considered a a big boy or big girl when you could drive the pony by yourself and you didn't have to sit in the saddle and have somebody walk behind beside you. That's so cool. (laughs) 
Well, and you're a big boy. I know. I get to drive the pony by myself now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can harness by yourself now. Yes, which is I more can do important. all of that. That's true. Yes. You That's can true. harness by yourself? <laughs> Shut up, Winnie. I didn't know that. <laughs> he claimed that like a month or so ago. I have not seen visual proof. But I, that's what he claimed. Hey, I can even, <laughs> yes, I don't even need Jennifer to hold a pony anymore. We've gotten Scooter, believe it or not, to the point where he's, he stands along the rail and I harness him up and then we go. It's, that's uh, really great. I know. And I can park him myself too. Just pull up to the rail. He stands there, scratches his head while I take his harness off. It's perfect. Good. Yeah. Good. Now, Kyle doesn't want to learn how to harness or well, no, tack because up. there's responsibility in that. Yeah, he's like, no, you better do it, and yeah. then let me know when it's ready, yeah. and then I'll come out. Yeah, exactly. He's a smart <laughs> man. See, I, I, I made that mistake. <laughs> Here I am. Yes, you. Once you learn how to do it, you're, you're, you're roped in. See, I was you're... stupid when I did this horse husband thing because I wanted to learn how to do everything so I could be helpful instead of being the one that didn't learn how to do anything, so I didn't have to help. Uh, there's two kinds of horse husbands, and I dove in with both feet and yeah, should have just uh, done done a Kyle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> I have to say that the ability to hold a horse and keep your mouth shut is a, is a uh, skill that many horse husbands could could learn. Yeah, I was never. And good at that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More Jennifer will than tell you I was never the ladder harness. <laughs> which is why she didn't want me to go a lot of times. It's like, oh, you just stay home. It's fine. No problem. And I always thought she was just being nice to me. No, she didn't want me there. I, I find it funny that in many of these ads, they talk about the fact that the kids can go off and, and do their own thing, essentially. Um, they did make some that you could take mother along with, and they were the fancier ones. Um, but it, for the most case, the, the concept is just to turn them loose. And uh, and they would pile these kids in the carriage. There would be like six, eight of them, and <laughs> some of them, and they would just go down the road, and with a little pony going. So, uh, you know, we we like our spouse or something, someone significant other to be involved. But when you're a kid, you're just you want them to hang out with other kids and and go without the parental. Uh, responsibility there but uh and today if you go out driving with a young one um we do encourage helmets um because even though you're not on the horse you can still get hurt so uh and actually i forgot to get the documentation about this because i just now thought about it but paul, paul may has a clinic coming up and it doesn't make a difference if you have driving experience or not if you're a junior driver uh the clinic is free to you oh that's and great We'll have to get the dates for you, but um, it is coming up in September, and uh, it that's a really great offer from him to be able to do that. And his name is Paul May. It's M A Y E. You can find it on his Facebook page if you need to. Where, where is, is it? Uh, is it in Virginia? Virginia. Uh, yes, I believe so. And I think he's looking at d- doing them in in multiple locations. But that's the first date uh, that he has is in Virginia. And uh, it's going to be very exciting to see somebody get out there and promote uh, driving in the youth and make sure that cost is not an issue. Um, I have to tell you something about about Paul and his wife, Cheryl. Um, If anybody's interested in going to these clinics, they are fabulous uh, pony trainers and have been breeding and showing Welsh ponies for years and years and years. And they're also, they, they have their own kids, but they've also brought up like generations of kids with the ponies. So they're really, this is a, a, 
they're perfect for this situation. So I think anybody with kids that is interested in driving, they should really take advantage of this uh, opportunity. Yes, it, it, it doesn't come along and, and they've got good horses there. He's got the skill and, and the, quite frankly, the temperament, because not everybody does to take on a young driver that doesn't know or, or whatever and, and bring them along. And it doesn't make a difference if you're interested in pleasure driving, combined driving, breed driving. If you have a junior, um, Paul can teach you that. Um, I think that this is coming up on September, let's see, September 28th is when that's going to be. It's the Evolution Driving Clinic, September 28th. Um, but uh, we'll he, get him on before that too on the horses in the morning to talk about it. Uh, yes, but, yeah. he's going to cover everything from basic safety and, and harnessing right on up to, um, you know, cones and and different things like that. Uh, whether you want to drive single pairs or even fours, and uh, that's the great thing about, about that. So, uh, if you're taking your own horse, I think it's only thirty dollars for for stabling even. So that's a great event. Um, and that's one thing that when we talk about ponies and, and minis, they are going over into the show world. Uh, you can find them in the Shetland show world, which is so breed specific. Um, they have the Shetland and the miniature horse um, tend to run together. And then uh, there is also the possibility of going in and doing combined driving and uh, they're a little bit harder to find things for the VSEs, which is a very small equine, which is what term some people prefer over minis. And um, but you can you can definitely get into the ponies uh, with the combined driving. Uh, I think your next speaker is going to be talking about that. And uh, but uh, there's a lot of things you can do with ponies now, and and there's a lot of different carriage options out there. Uh, there are people that specifically deal in pony harness and pony carriages. So if you're looking for something, it's definitely available out there. Well, thanks, Kathleen. That was so fun talking about ponies. And I can't wait to see your homemade harness for your little minis. Yes. Thank you. We're looking forward to doing that. You have to share pictures with us. Well, our show, as always, is sponsored by the American Driving Society, and they have this program called Hours to Drive, and I noticed that they extended the deadline to get your hours in to October 15th. So what is Hours to Drive? Oh, Hours to Drive is a super fun program that you should be participating in, Glenn, because (laughs) um, it doesn't, you know, it's any, you just count the amount of time you spend driving. So even if you're practicing or you're taking a drive down the road or even if you are borrowing your friend's horse and you drive your friend's horse, you can still participate as a member of the ADS and you keep track of your hours that you're out enjoying your horse and carriage and then you send it in to the ADS and there's different markers, different uh, levels that you can get and you get a little pin at the end of the year and then you can send your picture in of you and your horse and get it into the whip in the hours to drive, uh, um, issue. All it's right. really fun. Cool. Well, that's great. And, uh, also I noticed that, uh, I didn't get mine yet. 
the August Whip has come out. Uh, where, where mine went? I gotta find out because the Whip is their <laughs> magazine, and they they issue that is it four times a year, I believe, with the Whip. And it always has great pictures and has really informative articles about driving and some history of the carriages plus the current events that are coming up so you can and also we have uh american driving society has different local clubs so it has the local clubs in there so you can find friends driving friends in your area and you know who's on the cover of this uh, latest whip is it anna koopman yes it is and you know anna koopman right yeah, Anna is, I've known Anna since she was a little tiny baby. She's she's great. She's a super fun driver. She's driving, and, um, in, in this picture, she's driving her nine-year-old Morgan horse, Chandler Creek Eclipse. Yep. So, I uh, think it's at a pleasure show. I think that was yeah. from Morgan Park. Yeah, it kind of looks like a pleasure show. I don't know. I don't know where it was. It doesn't really, I don't see. Anna's father, Old Dominion, AT, ADT Challenge, Intermediate yeah. Champions. Yep. Anna's father, Bob Koopman. Um, is famous for his commercial turnout because he made himself a dog catcher van. <laughs> and then he dresses up as this dog catcher and he puts on a handlebar mustache. Does he have a whole he, bunch of dogs barking in the back? Yeah, he, well, he used to borrow a lot of Tamika's, Tamika and her babies and put the... Oh, my. Usually uh, gets a lot of Jack Russell. Yippee and, Jack Russells. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yep. If you want to become a member, you can head over to the American Driving Society.org and we thank them for their continued sponsorship of the Driving Radio Show. Well, it's time for another Tremont training session with Katie Cadwell. And this month we're talking about organizing your horse trailer. So welcome, Katie, to the show again. I can't wait to hear you what you're talking about. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Glenn. Um Kitty, this is such an important thing. Uh, I think people all know by now when the show comes out that Glenn and I are prepping for a great big hurricane. So your topic today is perfect for us because we're trying to think about all the stuff we need to get organized with our horse before we get up and go somewhere. Yes, and you know that we love organization. Organization and lists. And you can never have too many of them. Right. (laughs) And, um... You know what I find is that lists, you're so nervous when you're getting ready to go somewhere, whether it's a show or, you know, evacuation, a list really helps you, um, you know, make sure you don't forget anything. Well, uh, you know, we always want to work smarter, not harder. So Mm -hmm. if that means that we keep, keep a list and what we like to do is tack it to the inside of our tack trunks or, you know, whatever you're traveling with. So that you can have an easy reference that you have your medical stuff, just like a thermometer, leg wraps, maybe some poultice, some antibiotic cream. You know that you know every time you open your trunk that you can check that list and it's in that trunk. When you get ready to go to a show, you have like one list that you make in the beginning of the season and then you stick to that one list. You don't make a new one every time, right? No, we try to have a, you know, like we keep our show kit or travel kit together. Mm-hmm. You try not to use that, you know, so you always have it there. First of all, the first thing on the list, we love our grooms or ourselves to have a notebook, a notebook mm-hmm. that has in it what horses we worked, if you're working the team, what side they're on, so that you always can keep track of that. Little notes about where your curb chains are set and your bits and 
just little things like that or that we need to put polo wraps on this horse or just so you have all that information in front of you and no one has to question it. And it's the same thing with traveling. If we have the list on the inside of the tack trunk or in our tack room that we can say, okay, we take the leg wrap bag, you take this many bags of feed for this many days, you know that you have it. And then it can set you up for the like success the whole season. Yeah. Because then you're not worrying about, oh, my God, did I forget this? Did I do that? Blah, blah. No. And it doesn't matter if you're going to a pleasure driver. Okay. All these coaching people right now are traveling big distances. A bunch of people have gone to Maine for the, you know, summer or for a mm-hmm. month. And you right. have to pack a lot of stuff to go for a month. Right. And you want to make sure you don't forget something Silly, like an extra halter in case you break a halter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's important. <laughs> yes, because, you know, we break halters. <laughs> so we need to always carry an extra halter with us. You know, I think too, tanks. And if, yeah, I think pe- sometimes people, if they're just used to showing like maybe one horse, uh, uh, one riding horse, then you can kind of get away with not having a huge list. Uh, but once you start doing multiples and you're have carriages or if you're evacuating, you know, and you're taking every horse in the barn and you you have help that may or may not know your horses, having this list in a little notebook, what everybody needs, it can relieve so much stress because then, you know, the horse is getting taken care of properly. Sure. Because you guys are in the boat now, like you said, you, you might have to quickly get out. So Mm -hmm. if you have a notebook that had um, the horse's feed, their supplements, uh, preferences even, like if you're stuck somewhere and someone has to run out and get you feed and you have a horse that won't eat pellets, you could have a quick reference guide to that to say, oh, wait a minute, but Buffy doesn't eat the sweet feed. I need to get her pellets. Right. You know that you, you could easily say, and also when you're evacuating, what do you want to take? You want the horses to be safe? halters and lead shanks because you never know what's going to happen yeah and and then just some medical and then feed and hay if you can fit it but the most important part of that is getting the horses away from the danger yeah and also you know some horses can't be in the trailer next to other horses and the people helping you might not know that or some people you know a lot of times when you're really getting out last minute you just send them off with the shipper and the shipper has to know these things Yes. So then if you have a notebook or a hard copy or print it out, you could say to the shipper, okay, don't ever ship this horse next to that horse because it will always cause a problem. (laughs) It's it's just knowing your animal well enough that you eliminate these problems. And we need to do it in our everyday lives when we ship to, uh, even if we're shipping out to our horse park, which is 11 miles from us, we still need to pack the trailer with the proper equipment we need harness cleaning, carriage cleaning, horses feed, you know, that you have everything that you could possibly need. So you're not running around the showgrounds or a drive asking to borrow things. Yeah. You know what else? Um, I think that can be really helpful is, uh, packing your, your carriages. People always are looking in other people's trailers to see how they're packing their carriages in. Right. And um, what advice do you have about that, packing your carriages and harness and all that? 
So harness, I always try either I have in my carriage trailer boxes on the wall or mm-hmm. get a rolling box. You know, you can get them at Lowe's. They right. have a handle and they roll along to pack your harness in. So everything mm-hmm. is there in the box. You don't have to worry about is there a bridle sitting somewhere or you can pack it all in that one box. And then the carriages, the big thing about carriages is making sure they're tied down properly. That right. you don't want them to move and that you're not pulling your front axle forward and your back axle back. Because otherwise you're splitting your carriage. You always want to cross your straps and take the front axle to the back tie down and the back axle to the front tie down. Get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it yeah, crisscrosses you know, under the carriage and doesn't pull the carriage into two pieces. Yeah, because that's the, the weak point in our carriages. You know, I, uh, Tying down I remember... Very important. I remember one time at Martin's, um, somebody, <laughs> I'm not going to name names here, but somebody got this really, you know, the old carriages, some of them are really flimsy and they did that. They yeah. tied it the opposite way, the front and the back. And with all that bumping on the road all the way back home to Virginia, it like split in half. <laughs> That's you what happens some of these roads are pretty bumpy. Yeah, especially if like you're in Pennsylvania or something. But that's a great tip. So you pull, put the rear axle, you tie it forward, and the front axle, you tie that backwards with your yeah. tie downs. And most modern carriages have a place for you to hook a tie down strap on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, use, um, we use one of those fuzzies. We use like a fuzzy around the axle so that it doesn't yeah. scratch or rub anything. But always try to tie the carriages down on a four-point system. When you're getting ready for a show, you were saying this earlier, you have separate things for like that are just your show things and separate things that you keep at home. So you can always keep that in your trailer? Well, that's what we try to do just to make our lives easier. We have a set of buckets that stays in the trailer, a set of feed bins. So then, and cleaning products for the carriage, for the harness. So then when we go to a show, all we need to put in is harness, feed, and the horses, because you already have that ready. And if you've kept track in your notebook, you would have noted, oh, we need more harness cleaner to put into the show kit, Mm -hmm. or we Mm -hmm. need more white shampoo to put into the show kit, but that you have a, a set aside or that lives in the trailer, a grooming kit, Mm-hmm. Uh, a harness cleaning kit just because it, it makes your life much easier. You know, I love your notebook idea because there are so many times when you have this great lesson and everything went super and you're like, that's what I need to do for the show. And so you need to be able to recreate that. But if you don't remember what link your curb chain was on, I mean, that can, that one little thing can make such a huge difference. Exactly. And then sometimes it's just knowing, okay, I only need 20 minutes of warm up before I go into the dressage ring, mm-hmm. or I need to go out and walk for 20 minutes and then only warm my horse up for 10 minutes and then go in the dressage ring, knowing little things like that and keeping them because sometimes it's hard to remember that when you're put in the pressure situation. So if you actually had it written down that you could go through and say, oh, that's right. I always put the curb chain on two at a show 
And I always walk my horse for 20 minutes before I start to warm up. Yeah. And you know, we all get in bad habits at home. Yeah. And then sometimes if you have help with you that may not, you know, maybe they don't work with you at home or, you know, maybe your friend is coming with you to the show and they, they're trying to help, but you're in the carriage and you're like, oh, can you just, my curb chain fell off. Can you hook my curb chain back on? I mean, you, that is so important. And they put, it too, they put it too tight and then you ruined your whole, you know, show round or cones yeah. or dressage. But you if know, you also, can say, okay, that, okay, we'll even go one step further. We have a, a backpack that, that when we're at a show, we have a backpack that specifically goes to cones, to dressage, to the show ring when we're showing. And that backpack has in it the notebook, yeah. water for the driver, fly spray, and a tail brush and right. a towel. Yeah. And that backpack will go and, and an extra curb chain. So you always know that you have every piece of thing that you would need because how hard is it sometimes when you're, say, even at Walnut Hill, if you have to run from the show ring all the way back to your stable Oh, yeah. Or Live Oak. That makes <laughs> You're never going to make it. You'd be in big trouble. <laughs> so so if you have that, like you said, and you have someone else helping you, even if it's just a pleasure drive, if you had yeah. someone else helping you, you could say, oh, my God, I can't remember. Just take a quick look in the notebook or, right. you know, OK, there's water in the knapsack. Can you just hand me a water? Mm-hmm. That's what we we try to set ourselves up for success. Yeah, I think that really is it. If you're good at making lists in a journal, that's setting yourself up for success so you don't have to worry about it. Yes, and then you, know, you can just concentrate on your animal. You know what I think also is helpful for you as a trainer is if your students have a notebook and a journal, because some of your students you probably only see at shows or infrequently. So you can better help them because they can say like what you might see on the day, you might give them some advice and they can say, Oh, you know what, Kitty, this is what we did last time. And I think this, you know, then you can work through those issues. Well, Kitty, thanks so much. This has been such great information. And I think, uh, if you're not already keeping a journal, I think it's a great day to start. And uh, I think this is going to be great information for Glenn and I, if we have to get out and run from the hurricane, we might see you next week in Southern Pines. <laughs> yeah, people stalls. stay safe in the hurricane. <laughs> well, a while back, we had Roger McFarland on of Greenflower Botanicals to talk about CBD oil for horses. And I know some of you missed that, or it's been a while ago. And we wanted to revisit it because CBD oil has come up so much. And I see, I'm sure you've seen it in your practice. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what you've seen since then. Uh, but let's replay that, and then we'll come back and talk to Dr. Wendy about CBD oil. <laughs> Well, the number one question I keep getting from clients is, what is CBD oil and how can it help my pets? So I am happy that we have uh, Roger McFarland from Greenflower Botanicals to join us today to tell us how CBD oil works and how it can help your animals. So welcome, Roger. Hey, thanks a lot, Dr. Ying. I appreciate uh, being on the show and everything you guys are are doing for uh, our little, our loved animals, members <laughs> you know, of our family. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, um, here on the Horse Radio Network, not only do we as riders and drivers have aches and pains, but of course our animals have aches and pains. And um, yeah. I, I think that people are so drawn to CBD oil lately because um, they see the benefits that humans are getting and they do want to share that with their animals. But there's not a lot of information out there about using CBD oil and animals. So can you give us a little um, insight on that? I can give you the best that I have, um, but you're really correct in that uh, there's a, a lot of need for more research, especially in the, the area of um, veterinary use of, of CBD. But what we do know is that all mammals have this incredible thing called an endocannabinoid system, which um, seems uh, to have been made specifically for these cannabinoids to join in these receptors. And anyway, we find those receptors in, in nature, primarily uh, in the cannabis plant, where we find all these wonderful cannabinoids of which CBD is a part. And so that, interestingly enough, interacts in this system that's in all mammals. And that, that system is really very pervasive and was discovered in the 1980s in Israel. And, uh, it regulates and kind of dovetails in with your endocrine system and your immune system and your uh, central nervous system, so forth and so on. So if you've come across CBD, you probably heard or read, you know, it's good for this and this. It seems like it's good for everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know initially that turned me off from it. Uh, right. But like how can it be good why, for everything? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it sounds like snake oil. And most of us push away from it. I know I did in the beginning. But the real key to understanding it is um, the endocannabinoid system, how these cannabinoids react with that system, but also how that system as a whole creates a balance and really kind of works with almost every other system in your body to create balance and promote health and, um, and vitality. So therefore... I take a little bit of CBD, I may have a headache and my headache goes away um, or my backache goes away or my anxiety diminishes. And that's because of this overall effect that it has in the body's constant. Um, well, I'll just put it this way. You know, the body's been created to heal itself. Right. And so it really just supports what the body wants to do. Yeah, you know, it's very similar to our theory of Chinese medicine with the yin and the yang that has to stay in balance Mm -hmm. for health. So, like, when you talk about homeostasis in the body, if you have, like, like when you're saying you have a headache or a migraine, well, maybe you have your blood pressure is too high and that's what's causing the migraine. So you need to, you don't want to take a drug that just lowers your blood pressure which is how traditional pharmaceuticals work in Chinese medicine. We Mm -hmm. would try to do something to regulate the body so that your blood pressure goes back to normal. So decreasing too much yang and increasing your yin to balance your body. And when I look at the research about CBD oils, I feel like it it is on that Chinese medicine principle. Like it's not just going to do one thing like a pharmaceutical that may affect negatively another part of your body. It works on the whole system to kind of regulate everything and keep you in balance. 
Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know a whole lot about Chinese medicine other than it fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually in that literature that we first hear about cannabis to begin with. I want to say something like 2700 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have some Chinese emperor. I'll mess it up if I try to remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he began to, to, to document different kinds of um, plant remedies and things of that nature. And it's, it's mm-hmm. actually the first documentation of cannabis as medicine is right. in that Chinese medicine uh, yeah. literature. So that's fascinating. Uh, yeah. And now, um, so we know how it can help our pets and animals. What? Now, Greenflower, one of the things I really like about your company is that, um, first of all, all your CBD oil is from hemp that's grown free of pesticides on family farms in the United States. Because one of the things yeah. that I always worry about when you're looking at CBD oil is, do you know where it comes from? And um, also, there's also the possibility of heavy metal contamination and pesticide contamination. So, yeah. uh, so can you explain a little bit about how you've sourced your CBD oil? Sure. Um, we, of course, um, I, I think maybe one of the more important things to know about us is that we kind of were drug into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and all for personal, very serious personal medical reasons. And so the thing that motivates us every day as a company, uh, it truly is to help people. And in the quest to do that, uh, we take where we source our hemp from as well as how and particular standards that we follow in formulating our products. We take that very seriously. And so, you know, first step is uh, hemp is a bioaccumulator. So whatever is in the soil ends up in what you're ingesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has to be pesticide-free and, and grown to the highest standards. We'd love to call it organic, um, but all those standards and things aren't kind of worked out totally yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the products are all sourced pesticide-free. And uh, beyond that, they go through a third-party lab test um, from, the, uh, from the supplier. But also once it hits us and our custody chain, uh, it goes to a third-party lab. And every product has a lab report showing the, pe- the various uh, pesticides and heavy metals, molds, fungus, all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Oh, that's uh, great. To be 100%. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, because free. you don't know. You can't tell those things from the label, you know. <laughs> no, and you can't. And honestly, you can't tell them either on, on our end when you're mm-hmm. receiving, you know, the ex- the raw extracts and things of that nature. Um, yeah. And so there's all kinds of reasons something dangerous might be, um, mm-hmm. you know, in an, ex- in an extract or a plant and even growing with the best standards, it should all be uh, tested and just to make sure that what we're doing is, you know, promoting, promoting health, not taking it the other way around. <laughs> right, right. Now, um, I know that some people have the question about, uh, why, what, why, what is CBD oil, hemp oil, and, and then there's also things on the market that are much cheaper that are like CBD oil from hemp seeds. Is there a difference between those? Yeah. Sure. You can't get CBD from hemp seed, number one. So, mm-hmm. um, I've not, I've not seen that, but, um, 
you can extract CBD from the flower and you can extract CBD from the stalk of a hemp plant, mm-hmm. uh, but you cannot extract it from the seed. So hemp seed oil has its own benefits and things, um, but it's a really different animal than CBD oil. Mm-hmm. And then you also have full spectrum CBD oil. What's the difference between that and yeah. the isolate? Well, and again, another point that we're really dedicated to, um, when you isolate a compound out of a plant, you're kind of following the uh, big pharma recipe book to the T. They find something beneficial in nature, and then they want to take it out, isolate it, and charge us a a fortune for it. Right. (laughs) But the thing that gets missed there, which you'll obviously be able to appreciate in Chinese medicine, is that that CBD is bonded to a whole lot of other synergistic compounds. So in our world, we call it the entourage effect, which Mm -hmm. is kind of the sum total of all these parts working in concert together because that's how they're found in nature. So full spectrum means it's a whole plant extract so that when we pull the extract out, and not only does it have CBD in it, but it has other minor cannabinoids, CBN, CBDA, uh, so forth, CBG, uh, flavonoids, And, uh, of course, terpenoids, all this found fatty acid, you know, essential oils and all that found inside this wonderful plant. So we, as of now, we only sell uh, full-spectrum products. Mm -hmm. We may carry an isolate, but in the future, it would only be for reasons of of product demand. But at the end of the day, if you're going to move towards CBD oil um, for healing purposes, we believe the best thing you can do is to get a really nice full-spectrum oil that has all the different cannabinoids and terpenoids that are found bonded with the whole plant in nature. Okay, is, yeah, there, a difference? Think- is there a difference between this for humans and this for animals, or is it the same oil? Absolutely same oil. Okay. Yeah, because as mammals, we all have this endocannabinoid system. Um, so we, we market our equine line separately for a couple of reasons. One, it helps simply with product selection. Um, And then secondly, if we're dealing with horses, uh, these are much larger animals than most humans. So there tends to be a need for larger volume, you know, of the product. And you probably use the drops as opposed to them vaping because that's probably not an option. (laughs) Uh, Although my pony probably We have an instructional... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we have an instructional video coming out on how to teach your horse how to vape. Um, but so far, so far, so far, it's only been good for those uh, funny video shows. Um, but anyway, we're still working on that. But okay, yeah, good. Unfortunately, good. you're still <laughs> you're stuck with the oil. Now we do have to say one thing uh, about uh, CBD oil. It does contain a very, very low amount of THC, right? So, yes, it does. Um, but it's not going to get you high and it's not going to make the horses feel drugged. But that being said, um, it is, you still shouldn't use it if you're competing under zero tolerance drug rules, right? Uh, yes, I would say that's correct. And uh, we were discussing that earlier and, um, uh, you want to give yourself it, you know, your, your animal at least a week or two weeks absence from the product. Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying to study that out and really find, um, you know, what those 
what they're really looking for as far as the um, percentages by weight and those kinds of things. But, mm-hmm. but the best we can do right now is say, no, if you're competing, you're best to um, eliminate that from your horse's diet, you know, for a few weeks. And um, Roger, how can people find you? Well, they can go on the internet to uh, greenflowerbotanicals.com. And uh, there's an incredible amount of information there. One of the things I'll say about our website is um, we've spent um, an awful lot of time curating um, the best research that we can get our hands on. And so if you go there and you're looking for CBD for your horse or CBD for yourself or a specific condition, chances are good uh, you may be able to find the up-to-date research, if there is any, um, surrounding that particular condition. And there's all kinds of um, information on how to dose and and a much more thorough treatment of what CBD oil is and how it might uh, benefit uh, your animal uh, more so than I was able to to give today. And and they um, don't need a doctor's prescription uh, to order anything. They can order right off your site, right? Yep, they sure can. Um, so we ship to all 50 states. There's no prescription um, needed. And we obviously do recommend um, that if you can to work uh, as close uh, with your um, uh, veterinarian as you can uh, so that it uh, gives you that um, guidance and their their knowledge as well as um, helping them see and help us all to kind of see how CBD um, may be effective in certain areas or not in in other areas. So we always encourage you to um, involve your veterinarian. Right. This is one time when, if my clients come to me and say, well, I read it on the internet, I will not be aggravated with them. (laughs) A lot of good information. And um, you have a, do you have a, (laughs) you know, that happens. right? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm just saying I can only imagine it, you know, I can only imagine what you must go through. (laughs) Yeah, great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you come back again soon. So, Dr. Wendy, you know, it's all very interesting. Listen to Roger, and obviously quality is a big factor in CBD, and we talked about that with him, too. So what are you seeing in your practice? What Are you using it uh, for the horses? What's the story? Um, yeah, I'm using it on the horses, and I'm actually using it on myself. Uh, I have a horse that has EPM, and he has had a relapse of his EPM, and we call that sidewinder, sidewinder's disease, uh, because his relapse of his EPM, he has some cranial nerve issues, so he's kind of, uh, he has some problems with his balance and his awareness in space. And that usually happens even if they are, you know, you've killed the EPM organism. It's it's an inflammatory disease, kind of like what you experience with Lyme's disease. Yeah, my neurological form. Right. You know right. how you have that flare up every once yep. in a while? That's because you have inflammation in your body and, and your um, nerves are inflamed and it's stimulating them. Not because you have Lyme actively attacking it. So uh, the CBD oils really helped a lot. I noticed that um, he is more aware. Like for a while, 
he was kind of out of it. And it's really sad to see your horse like that, you know, to see that like sometimes I put his food out and I have to tell him like, hey, your food's over here. Like I have to wave my hands. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, how many times do you put your horse's food out and they don't come galloping <laughs> over to attack you for it, right? Yeah, never with Scooter. Uh, <laughs> and I also ha- I have this spool, this giant spool for the goats to jump and play on. And every once in a while, he gets himself, like, stuck in the spool with his chest against the round circle part. But this sounds like a lot like me when I'm having a bad day. Yeah, and he can't get out from the spool. (laughs) I have to go out there. He's, like, screaming to me, I'm stuck in this pool. Because he can't figure out how to back up. That happens with neurologic horses. So I have to roll the spool out of the way for him to get out. But I've noticed that the CBD oil is really helping him with, he's looking brighter. How much do you give him? Well, that's always the most common question. It is, yeah. Uh, on the Greenflower site, there's a great article about how you titrate this because it's a, it's a it's dose dependent, right? So you start out with a certain dose and then you titrate it up till you notice an effect, and then you can go down a little bit. And it's like the turmeric. Remember we talked about doing the turmeric. You give it. And then when you notice an effect, you start backing it off, and then you see where what dosage range works best. And you know, as Dante, like what what he has, were may or may not be reversible, right? Just like you're living with chronic Lyme, so some days or sometimes when he has a flare up, I might have to give him more, hmm. and then sometimes I can give him less. Uh, also. Different times of the year, he might need more, right? So, like now in the summer, we have these bugs, and they're stimulating his allergies. So, he has a lot of things causing inflammation. Or, like, he also has Cushing's, unfortunately, right? So, in the fall, horses with Cushing's tend to get worse. So, I might need to give him more CBD oil during certain times of the year than others. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense. I, all right. Well, there you go. And I hope that that helped some of you who are looking for, you know, for, oh, I have for that to tell as an you one option. More yeah. I forgot. I also got the CBD cream. Remember I had horrible tennis elbow for a while? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, as a matter of fact, we played together and you were having trouble. Yeah. And I remember yeah. I had to wrap my arm with yep. that wrap because I'm not going to not play tennis. <laughs> right. You know? And so... um I used that CBD oil on my elbow and it really made a huge difference. And then I also, um, you know, use it. I have a little patch of, I have psoriasis, which is like kind of like eczema, but it's like when you're, it's, it's like your skin has this overgrowth. It's like an autoimmune disease. And I, every once in a while get a little patch flare up and I put that on it and it immediately stops the itching. I don't know why. But that's, I'm just telling you, it works great. Hmm. There you go. Well, take it from Dr. Wendy. She said it works on her. Now, we can't guarantee it's going to work on you. And, of course, uh, you know, I think CBD oil is legal in all states but <clears throat> at this point. <clears throat> but you can go the to cream. The cream does not make you high. <laughs> that's right. It just <laughs> helps your elbow. So they can go to greenflowerbotanicals.com. This is not a commercial. Uh I wish it was, but it's not. It's not a commercial. It's just, uh, you know, it's a company that we we know and uh, that we know makes good product. And, and that's yeah, a- and they're and all of their um, all of their product is grown in the United States. 
That's right. And they, yep. and they also test each batch so they know the the active ingredients and the efficacy. Very good. So let's uh, let's go and wrap up the show now. We have really bad ads tomorrow. Jamie will be here, so get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We'll be giving away our prize tomorrow, as well as announcing three new prizes for the month of September. Ooh. So uh, you definitely want to tune in for that. Again, it's Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. But you can find all of Dr. Wendy Ying's products at drwendying.com. Very good. DrWendyYing.com. Go take a look around. If you need something for your doggy or your horsey or uh, your pets, uh, Dr. Wendy Ying has it over there. So uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Now, keep the shiny side up. Yay, Wendy on cue.